the Summit Up Podcast. This is where we talk about movies, shows, games, whatever we want. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you find your podcasts. My name is John, and as always, I'm good. joined by my good friend Chris. Chris, how are you doing? Yes, I'm doing great. Fantastic. Excited to get into the news. We're right around the corner from Thanksgiving, which means we're about to turn the corner for Christmas. Uh, the happiest time of the year. It's uh, it's it's we need some happy times, John. We do. We really do. And I, I think the first thing we're going to talk about is just a win for everybody, at least in my eyes. And I think in a lot of people's eyes, um, I think the, the biggest story to come out lately is that Wonder Woman 1984 is going to be released on HBO Max as well as theaters on the same day on Christmas Day. Chris, it's a Christmas miracle. It's a Christmas miracle for us, but not for the movie theaters that were really hoping it'd just be in theaters. I think it's a loss for them, but for everyone else, it's a huge win. Well, see, that's the thing, because AMC has come out and said that they're supportive of this, because I think that there are so many markets in the U.S. that don't have theaters open. Um, I think basically every, every, everywhere. Um, so it's really not going to affect the U.S. market which is going to be the primary market that HBO Max is is going for. Um, but everywhere else in the world that have kind of loosened their restrictions, um, they have their theaters open. So there's going to be some, there's probably going to be a decent amount of ticket sales worldwide for this. Because um, I, think, I think people are ready to get back and see a big blockbuster movie in the theaters where they're able to. So worldwide, at least, I'm sure it'll have a somewhat decent opening just comparatively speaking well the the thing that they're really focusing for here wb is that hbo max subscription to go up because right now uh they haven't hit their expectations it's kind of one of those things where it's you start at uh a lower tier they're like in the tens of millions but not like between 10 and 20 million something like that i don't know the hard number but they're kind of where disney plus was when disney plus first launched the big difference, though, for HBO Max is that they have a lot more content. And by a lot more content, I mean a lot more geared towards adults. And Disney Plus didn't really have that type of catalog. But Disney Plus right now, when it starts with 15 million subscriptions, now, after a year of being out there in the market, it they announced that they have around, you know, set over 70 million subscribers which is insane and you have hbo max which is also more expensive than disney plus and it has a lot more content and they're just not at that that larger streaming number it becomes one of those things where you say is wonder woman gonna give hbo max that boost that they're looking for so it's supposed to be a win for people to say like oh i can watch a new release movie uh, and as far as i'm as far as i see it like it's a win for the consumer it's a win for hbo max because it will definitely drive up their numbers their streaming numbers uh, my only question to you john is is this a win for them like i know you mentioned you for the worldwide it's great but i really think this is a really bad moment for movie theater industry because covid19 cases are running higher and i've listened to a few podcasts where people are saying the movie industry, the theater industry, I should, excuse me, the theater industry hasn't done a lot to adapt with the times, to change the experience, to make it something special. They're just they're just relying on that old nostalgia from the 1920s of going to a theater. 
and that needs to change so my question john is like what do you do you agree with that analysis that everyone's winning except the theaters are you still thinking that theaters are are gonna ultimately come out on top here well i mean we've talked about quite a few times that that theaters need to adapt if they're going to survive the pandemic and the world how it's going to be after after the fact um so for theaters to continue not to adapt at all i definitely think they're going to come out um financially less benefited um if that's the correct way to phrase that than uh than the streaming industry and i think this sets a this sets an interesting precedent if nothing else to have a major blockbuster film be released on streaming at the same time that it's out in theaters where people have that convenience and the accessibility for it and so i don't think disney's going to follow in their tracks at least initially um but it'll be it'll be interesting if nothing else to see the numbers after this because one of the things that i've thought about with all this is that people are going to use i mean me included to be honest a free trial period um, of HBO Max to go see Wonder Woman. Yep. Because why not? I mean, it's going to be the first blockbuster film to be released in I don't even know how many months. Um, and you're finally going to have a chance to see it. And all you need to do is sign up for a month long free trial. And then you can just shut it off. And you're not, you're not having to pay anything for Wonder Woman, um, which is going to be interesting to see how that affects Wonder, Wonder Woman's numbers overall and the kind of the profit that HBO announces from that. But. Um, the other thing to consider is that they have another giant release coming out on on HBO Max, and whether or not you and I consider it to be giant, it is, um, in the Snyder Cut, in sometime in 2021, probably earlier rather than later, because I think they're basically done. They're just tweaking some CGI, but they're all done filming. Um, it's It basically is ready to come out. Um, I think it's just a matter of timing and figuring out what the best um, month would be for it. But... If people are using up all their free trials for Wonder Woman now, that means they won't have it for the Snyder Cut, which means either people are just going to have to re-sign up or keep their subscription through that period. And it's going to be a four-part miniseries, which regardless, like say you just signed signed up for a free trial just to watch the Snyder Cut, you're still going to have to pay for at least one month, um, depending on how long you wait into the miniseries period. Um, so it, it's going to be really interesting to see not only how it affects the Wonder Woman numbers now, but also how it affects the Snyder Cut numbers and how much benefit or how much gain HBO Max sees after that period. Well, I see Snyder Cut. It's interesting you said I see Snyder Cut as its own special situation because when it comes to Wonder Woman, we have a proven product with a proven director and that's that's the gold standard for DC is Wonder Woman. It's easily their best movie of the movies that have come out from DC is Wonder Woman, the first one. So Wonder Woman 1984, everyone is hyped for. I think that Snyder Cut could possibly the Snyder Cut could possibly face the same criticism that Mulan comes from, and I don't mean like oh you know it was filmed in the Xinjiang province and all this. No, not that stuff. I'm talking about quality quality of product because there were a lot of people and even though disney says it's a, it was successful maybe as a trial but you have a lot riding on the snyder cut and the thing is is that a lot of reviewers are out there there's a lot of industry watching it and you have people on the outside waiting for an opinion 
because we have seen this in the video game industry where people won't buy a video game if it's bad and if it's oversold it gets review bombed so when it comes to the snyder cut we're in a very particular situation where it's got to be quality if you're going to drive if you care about your hbo max numbers if this movie if reviewers come out and say what a garbage waste of time your subscriber numbers are not going to go up because people are waiting for an opinion this isn't one of those movies that you get involved with a subscription service to to go and search it out because like you said wonder woman comes out people do the free trial they see wonder woman great there i guarantee their trial isn't going to extend until the time that snyder cut comes out so you're going to miss out on a lot of people trying to use that free trial to see snyder cut and snyder cut might deter people away based on reviews because we live in a time john and i think you would agree with this where reviews are crucially important and even relates to executive producer bonuses because they the, their contract or what they do with the studio like you need to hit a certain part to get uh you know like bonuses so i find that the snyder cut in is in a way harder position than one wonder woman and i think hbo max is really hoping that wonder woman gets a lot of people on board before snyder cut yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I, I would totally agree that they're going to use Wonder Woman to keep the hype train going for DC properties in general. And I mean, from everything that we've seen, I think it looks like it's going to be a great movie as long as they just kind of stick to the great storytelling that Patty, Patty Jenkins does and that they don't try and stuff it full of, of all these villains and, and Easter eggs and tie-ins and everything. Just keep it simple storytelling, um, shot wonderfully, with good character development um what just this kind of conversation it gets me thinking about dc films and um the fact that the snyder cut's gonna be a miniseries and to be honest man like if it if it's reviewed well and if it's a good production it almost makes me wonder how many other properties they're going to go the miniseries route for to have a better longevity for the storytelling and not have to cram it into a two two and a half hour movie um, but I, I think we, with like the Mandalorian, with all these, with the Game of Thrones to a degree, we see all these high profile, high budget productions go for a TV series now instead of a movie. And I think it pays off dividends because you have great storytelling and the, the opportunity to really delve into complexity with the characters. Well, that's and, different. I, th I think, I think the argument you're making for is for the new media where like, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it's just when you mentioned Game of Thrones, I think of that as the the new wave of how great stories are told. Breaking Bad did it. Uh, yeah. Not it's not like here's uh, what people talk with Mando, where it's like this is today's adventure or something like that, where you see with uh, with things like shows like Friends or Cheers or even Frasier, even though there's a long there's a long arcing story where you watch all the seasons where you get from point a to point b but it takes forever we're talking about stories that are so intricate like a like obviously a book is what i'm saying because it's based off a book but there is a lot of stuff that's still stuck in that old media type of uh executive producer feng shui i don't know i don't, I don't know how else to say it but <laughs> i just i think I think Snyder Cut is that type of old media thinking, and I'm just afraid it's going to get in the way of higher, uh, how do I say this, higher quality production that understands 
streaming. The Boys is one of those. They get it. That is a good quality product that Amazon has worked hard on producing. And I just, I worry with HBO Max because Game of Thrones was made before AT&T bought HBO. So I'm curious to see if that quality is going to match up, even though we got a great series like Chernobyl, the miniseries, Watchmen, which was a series long, a season long. I just don't know with the integration of everything that HBO Max is going to be able to keep up that quality when it comes to the small series. Well, and and they already have a couple of productions or a couple series in production. I mean, uh, with the Green Green Lantern series, which is going to be like a buddy cop kind of thing. They have the Batman Year Two story with the Gotham PD. And so they've already made investments, at least in pre-production, for these miniserie type um, events. And I... It seems like they're kind of following Disney and easing into that um, mix, maybe of of theat- theatrical releases, while also having things on the side that delve into the world a little bit deeper, so you get a better understanding and better perspective of where you are. Because I think it's going to be really beneficial if the Batman, Robert Pattinson Batman movies are great, to also have a miniseries on the side that lets us explore the world even more to give us a better understanding and a better appreciation of the world that they've built with it. Um, as long as it's all great quality. I mean, if it's poor quality and they're just throwing money at things because they, it has the Batman name on it, then that's a whole other thing. But that, that but mean, that's what I, that's what I'm used to from these, from these old type of style media st- studios. That's what I think these old executives are thinking with HBO max. That's why I think they have so much to prove. I'm so skeptical. Yeah. I mean, I, I think honestly, I'm ready to be hurt again. I mean, uh, <laughs> you you look at a company like Disney, and they've come out and said that they are not planning on releasing Black Widow on streaming. And, and obviously, Wonder Woman is taking the DC stance of we're gonna we're gonna do a blended release. Um, but Disney, I think, is willing to wait it out. And and the fact that they were going to have a later release than Wonder Woman initially had they've got a bit more time to play with because DC had this fear that Wonder Woman was going to get stale and it, the interest in it was going to was going to uh, wane in in a lot of the general public. And so they were trying to make a move before people forgot about it, to be honest. And so I think Black Widow on the, on the MCU side of it, um, even though they're not very competitive, but the Black Widow side and the Disney side, they've got a little bit more time to plan and to see how things go with um, like vaccine and the COVID situation. So I I think if this were to continue for another year with these circumstances, Black Widow and the MCU might have to rethink their release schedule, which people would already be used to it with the DC EU kind of being on that same path already. Um, I mean, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how both studios continue long term with their plans. Um, And with DC, I I don't believe the next property is scheduled to come out anytime soon. So I think they've got a little bit more time to figure out their next theatrical release. Um, But the MCU has three to four movies a year pumping out and they don't really have a lot of time to slow down much longer. Um, There's only so many times they can keep pushing back their phase four plans before actors start aging before the contracts um uh, wouldn't be good anymore and we they've really got to start rethinking how they're going to approach theatrical releases in the near future i think it's a good move you don't you don't ever want to keep your audience like oversaturated 
with uh, content. So I think this long wait from the 23 movie uh, Marvel escapade, like the, the journey and the saga that came through there, I think this long break that we've gotten is playing really well to Disney's hands. But uh, I just want to make a comment that I think you were saying that uh, people's faith in in Wonder Woman is uh, Bruce Wayne. It's It's waning. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Anyways, I I think I think we've kind of uh oversaturated this 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 uh discussion because everyone knows if you listen to the podcast, you know where people know where you and I stand on this and it's just gosh, from a from a such a technical standpoint, I'm so interested in the money aspect of this. I could because I have no faith in in just Snyder cut bringing in people. I, I think, I think Wonder Woman, you really got to push that for the streaming. I don't know why they're releasing it with the theater. Like this could, this could be their, their big. This could be their Mandalorian moment, and uh, I really hope AT and T doesn't screw this up. Yeah, yeah, and and speaking of studios not screwing things up, um, are we so- sure about this? <laughs> Well, I'm not going in order of that. So, Oh, okay, cool. So Black Panther 2 starts filming July of 2021 officially. They've come out and announced that. Um, Disney has also said that they're not going to do a digital double for Chadwick Boseman. Um, so they're going to just right off the bat address the fact that the that T'Challa is dead, um, that he's not going to be there. They're not going to have like a body double from... like maybe like CGIing somebody's face, uh, Chadwick's face over somebody else, or just having a shot from like behind him just to establish that he is there for a minute. Um, so I, I think of all the things to do, this is the best move. Just accept the fact that he's not here. There's nothing that they can do to put him in the movie that would do him justice. That would do the character justice. Um, the best thing to do is just accept it and move forward with the story. And I, I like Ryan Coogler is a great storyteller. And I think that he, um, is fully capable of writing a story in a way that pays tribute and homage to um, to Chadwick Boseman, while also pushing the story forward and the narrative forward in, a, in an interesting and authentic way. Um, I, and I, I don't know, maybe it's a little too early to, to ask this and to think about it, but do you, how do you think story-wise they're going to proceed um, without T'Challa, uh, do you think that they're going to pass the mantle on to somebody else right out the gate? Do you think it's going to be like a trial by fire situation or trial by combat situation? Or how do you think they're going to proceed with the story from here? Man, that's such a great question from a situation that I don't think you have to overanalyze. There's not a lot to analyze in in this response. It's the right response. It's it's a great response, and I don't I don't see a point in going into too much of a deep cut about you know what they're gonna do next i mean i'll give my thought but i i i think just the announcement itself is fantastic yeah Uh, i'm glad they're not gonna do the cgi this is this is a good move as far as how the story pans out how they're gonna integrate who's in who's gonna be the protagonist of black panther i don't know and i have a feeling that ryan coogler and uh kevin feige are going to do a great job of integrating that into the story. I think they've learned a lot since Thor uh, with how that went. And obviously with how well Spider-Man went, I think that 
and, and even Black Panther, you it's not really coming of age, but you get to see a lot of like what it's like to be king of Wakanda, uh, and set up that type of universe. I I have full faith, and and, and as far as what's going to happen next, who is it going to be? A completely new thing or are we just going to start right at the gate oh this is the new leader of wakanda i don't know uh but i trust whatever decision they make i i just i i just overall praise the decision to not do a body double for uh chadwick boseman yeah 100 percent. i i think i've got my money on shuri taking over the mantle um just with how they're pushing for younger avengers in the future like miss marvel series um, like the uh, She-Hulk series with Jennifer Walters. A lot of these characters that they're bringing in in Phase 4 and 5 are younger. Um, and so I, I think you could give it to M'Baku. Um, yes, but he, that's he, my money, is M'Baku. <laughs> and I think he would be a good choice. Um, but I think that if you're going for like a more of a Young Avengers um, build-up for the future... Because they've got stature now, they've got Spider-Man, they've got Shuri, whether or not she's going to be Black Panther or not. Um, you've got Miss Marvel. You have all these younger characters they're introducing, and it all kind of leads towards um, a Young Avengers story with um, uh, Kang the Conqueror potentially being the next major antagonist. Um, so you have all these things kind of funneling towards this one direction, and I think if they're going for longevity, um, I think Shuri's the right way to go. Uh, but I, I, there are so that's the thing about this universe that they've established and this world they've created is that they have so many great Im, interesting and well-developed characters that we could have a, a, a like a, a real solid debate over who could take over the mantle because there are so many great options and i think that says a lot about the, the writing and the acting and the world they've built because there's not a lot of other franchises out there that i think we could have this talk about where they have um, such a strong cast um, that you have three or four different options that could take over this mantle that people could have legitimate arguments for. Um, and it would be a real uh, authentic passing of the of the baton on to the next person um, and people wouldn't be upset by it. So I I'm it's exciting just to see to just to know that there is this type of story out there that um, is that enriched by the characters and uh that there are so many great options out there for so regardless of what direction they go with um i'm i'm happy with where they're at and i i think that they're making the right moves with these types of announcements yeah i I totally agree and even though my money is on mbaku mbaku has so much growth potential to me as far as a character development he did something really nice and black panther for the royal family he kind of you know he he was someone who's not involved in the fight but involved himself when talking to t'challa and uh just he has so much room to grow but i think as far as track record with marvel shuri is probably the better bet yeah i mean who knows we'll we'll see when we um when they get behind the scenes set photos and more story details come out later on next year um, and I, I think July 2021 is a good start date for a, for production. Um, I don't really see a ton of major delays if they start then. Uh, I think by COVID that point, 20. Oh God, don't say that. <laughs> um, but speaking of, speaking of other things, I'm pretty disappointed about the potential for. Um, they have announced that there is a Predator 
reboot happening. Uh, um, uh, okay, I'm gonna be honest, man. Like, I it it was fun when the first couple movies came out, and then I remember um, my dad took me and my brother to go. Like, I think this was my first rated R movie in a theater was AVPR, Alien vs Predator Requiem. And what, is that the original one or is that a different one? That's the sequel. There was Alien vs. Predator and then there was the sequel AVPR. And okay. Of all the Rated R movies to have be my first, I, I I knew nothing at that age. But looking back on it, it was just it was so bad. And <laughs> and then they tried to do uh, uh, another kind of reboot or um, like continuation or whatever you want to call it for the story. Uh, back in like 2018 i think it was and and that movie just bombed and it only got 160 million dollars worldwide um this this whole franchise kind of feels like what they're doing with the terminator series that they had a great story initially that had beloved characters that the fans really cared about and then every time they try and do something new or interesting or interesting they just run it into the ground and they're not they're not succeeding at all with these. Um, the only thing I think that that it, this news has going for it right now is the the director is an interesting choice. And I don't know a ton about him, but I know that he's done 10 Cloverfield Lane, which I thought was a, an interesting movie. Um, and he's also directed the series premiere of The Boys. What's his name? His name is, I believe his name is Dan Trachtenberg. Okay. Um <laughs> So it's on the script. You. I just want to challenge you. No, it's fine. I'm going to do better than you've done in the last couple of names. No, totally <laughs> not my strong suit. Nah, it's fine. Um, I, I don't know, man. I, I'm not super amped up about this. I don't, I, there's only so many places I think we can go with this before it just continues to get stale. And I, I don't know. Did, did the predator series, was it ever significant for you Did or you, ever into this at all or is this something you have like just zero interest in well i actually got to commend you because you probably gave it the best description i could ever ask for which is that it's a lot like the terminator series where you have this you have this classic movie and i mean that in the way of that the the alien versus predator i saw the original alien versus predator i never saw the sequel or anything like that um and plus i just want to say as a side note my first radar movie was catch me if you can because my mother and sister wanted to go see it and i was very young at the time so uh yeah very different uh first radar movies but i would say that this is a movie it the predator series is locked in the idea of of 80s of an 80s movie and i hate this idea that we have to we have to modernize it without changing anything about it. It's like you're making another 80s movie, but it's so bad. And I I, I don't understand how... It's a, I don't understand how you get a movie like... We've had so many... We've had so many remakes. Total Recall did a remake. It's like Hollywood has no ideas to do it right. And then, oh yeah, here comes George Miller who makes a, another addition to his series called mad max which was fantastic easily one of my favorite movies it's probably in my top 10 mad max fury road and i'm so i'm so confused on how directors just don't capture that same nostalgia in a new lens 
And so when I see this idea that there's a Predator reboot, I instantly am thinking, oh, it's another total recall. It's going to be terrible. So, I mean, I have no expectations for this movie. I absolutely think it's going to bomb. And whatever interest they're getting from it, it's not anything to put the director down. But the a, a Predator video game was released this year, and it did really, really well. Uh, I think it was Predator Hunting Grounds, where it's like, you know, there's four of you and you're going into this village and the predator you like you're trying to take down the village because it has like a bunch of insurgents in it or just a camp not a village you're trying to kill all the insurgents to get like some information and the at the same time there's a someone plays as a predator and they hunt and kill this team of four people which is a really cool dynamic video games have been amazing during the pandemic so if you are trying to make a new Predator movie based on that type of experience in a video game that has a wonderful mechanic and and bringing back the lore, I think you're going to fail. It's a cash grab. And uh, I just I'm tired of the stupid 1980 reboots that just fail. And there's only a few people who do it right. And uh, 2049 is a great example of someone who knows it right. Same thing as Mad Max Fury Road. I have no faith in this. Well, you make a really interesting point there where rather than just doing like a like a Terminator kind of retelling or reimagining of like one specific plot point and then completely spinning off into a whole new direction, you have those great examples of 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 sequels that not only continued the story, but like enriched the entire world that they first established. Um, mm-hmm. Because those were spectacle movies, those that they they weren't just stuck in one little place, um, and the story was so self-contained. They they traveled all over the world. Um, there was so much depth given to um, the the setting that they established, and those were I I think genuine um, love love stories to the originals, while also recognizing recognizing what made them so successful so that they could continue for a new generation um it's got right, the diehard bug you know like yeah. there's only so many times i could see bruce willis do the same freaking thing you need to do something different and a lot of movies just terminators the same thing it's like oh we're gonna focus on sarah connor or something like that and it's just like i'm so tired of you going back to the same character without expanding the universe it's lazy yeah, but see, that brings up another interesting point of, is it even in the right medium? Are these stories that they're trying to tell with this type of material suitable for movies? Or did they already tell, did they already establish in a in a theatrical setting what they could tell, and now they need to just move on into a better medium? Um, because I think when you have a great game that's a, that's set up like, a predator movie and the, ah, that concept i, see I think yeah like have a whole series of games based off of that because then people expect the same type of like basic mechanics in the in the sequels like you know how to shoot you know it's going to be a first person shooter you know that you're, you're going to be hunting somebody in a jungle or in a city or somewhere or alien planet and so like there are things that i think are more naturally um accepted from from release to release um, like people buy somehow people continue to buy call of duty games even though it's the same basic thing over and over and over again um and i kind of feel the same way about halo but that's a more um 
a better example of enriching the world that they've established. We'll have to do another podcast on that subject so we could go over it. <laughs> yes. Because it, so, it is so fascinating to me as someone who played Call of Duty and never played Halo, but I follow the... I follow the, uh, what's the word? I follow the communities of both schools of thought. Mm -hmm. And the things that have happened to those franchises are just so, so fascinating to me. I just love learning about it. It, It's a huge, it's storytelling, it's game design. It's a lot of different things. Uh, But to to go back to your point, like when you talk about, is this the right medium for it? Absolutely, it's the right medium for it. But we haven't seen, we don't know anything about the Predator homeworld. We don't know why they're coming to Earth except to hunt. But what is there? Is there a thing about you know you know how like the the Vikings would go and raid places and they did it for the idea of like you know to get to Valhalla. There was so much, there was so much pillaging and raping, which raping is bad, pillaging is bad, murdering, murdering is bad. But they had there was a culture set up behind it that is remarkable. Um, the pantheon, the gods, and all this stuff and you don't have that with predator that's the thing it's lazy there you have not expanded the lore of predator it's an alien that hunts people down kind of like what is it the short story the the great the greatest game or whatever it is where someone's hunting another human being on an island we get that with predator and you what else do we know about the predator what do we know about his species his home world what are you doing to get to the final big bad it's so lazy and it's the same thing we saw with i would say independence research independence day resurgence mm-hmm. where we just did the same thing again and even though we got a little bit more lore when they explored the alien ship that landed in africa and they had done a lot of preliminary things about it and it's just you you're missing the oomph you're missing the bigger picture and it's unfortunate that's I, I don't think it's about just to make clarify my point i don't think it's about the medium i think it's about the universe and they're significantly failing when it comes to the diehard universe the terminator universe the predator universe the alien universe i would say the same thing too you yeah. gotta give me something that is of more substance yeah that's very true we don't we don't understand the motive behind like the, or the greater motive behind what the predators are trying to achieve. Yes. Um, besides just being the best predator, which is a very simplistic point of view. And I think did well in the eighties for a movie or two, but you're right that that concept gets stale really quickly when you don't try and re um, reexamine it or put it in a new perspective at all. When you just keep rehashing it over and over and over again and expecting a new result, that's called insanity. And that doesn't make for a great movie. Um, so yeah, I, I think you're right. I think if we could have a film that gave, Ooh, if we could have like a Viking predator film where we understood like more, maybe, maybe more about like the religion or the culture or um, just something that gave, like, humanized them more, even to a degree, or, like, yeah. made them more sympathetic. Something. I mean, I'm not saying that you have to root for the Predator to go and succeed, but if you at least understand what, what they're doing and where they're coming from, and then it's not just um, a random killing machine that wants to be, like, collect skulls for every world that it's been on, then that makes it more interesting to watch. We get that and from Planet of the Apes. Yes. Great, great, 
uh, obviously in a different context, very different, but like we, you have creatures you don't understand. They take over and you're like, why did this happen? They're monsters. It's like, no, they're not like they did it because they had to survive. Yeah, they did it out of retaliation for what the humans did to them. And they're just trying to have their own culture off on their own independently, but humans kept screwing it up. So, of course, they were going to eventually revolt and fight for their way of life that they were trying to establish. Oh, my gosh. Why aren't we pitching a Predator movie, Chris? That's the thing. It's like, I know, right? Why aren't we? Why aren't we the ones doing this? Because you could have like, oh, there are more. We're getting more raids from the Predators. And eventually you build up like the big bad Predator. Where instead of, like, it's predators hunting, like, alone, now it's, like, you get, like, a boat, a metaphorical boat or ship of the of the big bad predator with his groupies. And it's, like, that, his, 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 uh, what is this, his retinue. And it's an insane killing force. That it's something like that that you build up to that just gets me excited. And it's, we just don't have that. And I, I, I want to put this out there to see what you think. We're spending a lot on this topic, but this we're having a good time talking. Uh, it's about storytelling and how it's moved and changed over the years. And I think it's because stories are evolving and we've seen them before. You've got to keep it's got to be good. We've seen bad product. We've seen good product. And I put this out there. If Game of Thrones came out in the 1980s with the ending it currently has, I guarantee that it would be a much bigger hit than it is today because we can scrutinize it as much as we want. But I think in the 80s, a story as grand as that, as insane as that, the politics, the human emotion, um, and even the, the way it ends, I think that because of stories still evolving, we're still not where we are today, where we can say, like, oh, they could have done this, they could have done that, that doesn't make sense. I think in the 1980s, someone would, uh, an American populace, a world populace could have watched that series and think it's the greatest, it's better than Breaking Bad, it's better than any, it's better than the Iliad, it's better than the Odyssey. Did, is that an insane insert assertion, John? I mean, I don't know about better than the Odyssey, but I, I do get your point, well, you though, uh, of it's about perspective and the the kind of content that you've that you're used to and if we're continuing to get fed these interesting well-developed stories like breaking bad um uh, then eventually when something that isn't evolving gets told it's not going to be as interesting because we we as an audience have moved past it we are hungering for something more um more that has more depth that has more intrigue um i think the boys did a great job of that in evolving and moving the superhero genre forward mm-hmm. in a much more interesting way that gave you something else to think about. Like what if these people that were thought to be heroes and gods were actually horrible people that just put on a great facade. And that's a really interesting take on it and a really interesting uh, perspective for a show that helps us reexamine what we've already thought. Um, so I don't know. I, I hope for the best, but I expect the worst. And I I think that, yes, I don't know. Maybe it'll be okay. Probably won't be, but at least it'll be. Come on. It's going to be terrible. Don't lie. Don't, don't, (laughs) don't try. Don't try and fool yourself. You know, it's going to be bad. I know it's going to be bad. It's, it's going to be bad, John. Let's, let's, let's not beat around the bush here. 
You know what I thought was going to be bad, but ended up being pretty okay? Oh, yeah. Give it to me, baby. The Star Wars Holiday Special. Yes. I I had a chance to watch it, I think, the day that it came out. And I I, th- I know that we've talked about this one, or once or twice before already. And my initial thought for it was that it was just going to be cheesy. And it is. And like yes. just, just made for kids and not great storytelling. Um, but it, it was fun. I mean, it wasn't anything groundbreaking, but it was like one of the first uh, non-Lego movie Lego movies that I've seen. And I, I thought it was it was interesting and took a bunch of jabs at the Star Wars fandom and uh, plot points that they've already set up. And it was it was fun to watch. Yes. Um, I don't know, man. What were your general thoughts on it? yeah was it was it good yes was it great no was it fun yes was it bad no like i this is this is above average for me it was fun to watch i might watch it every year around christmas time just to get a laugh because it's a lot of meta humor you gotta know what you're getting here and it's a it's a lego movie with that isn't as deep it's 47 minutes long there's some jabs in there that make fun of the prequels. There's stuff that make fun of the sequels. It's a, it's a time hopping adventure. And I got to say like, it's a, it's good. It's good. It's not anything. You're not going to like walk away from it. being like, Oh my gosh. Like it solves so many of my issues with this and storytelling is amazing. No, it's not that at all. It's just a fun ride. And I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the jokes. Even like the thing where Palpatine's being thrown down the, reactor shaft and then he has the epiphany it's like hey maybe i i I need to change my ways and then he dies um there's just it's for me it it just hit in a different way i was like you know this is something the fan base can get around and if someone's gonna critique this to heck um and think that it's terrible and all this stuff then you're not really moving this fan base forward because they make fun of the sequel movies a little bit too which is something we need because that's what's supposed to be serious Yes. The sequel movies are supposed to be serious. They're supposed to be expanding the universe in a way that is exciting, gives us di- different perspectives, and it's an incohesive mess. I think a lot of people could agree with that after Rise of Skywalker came out. And you could say, uh, like, I mean, go ahead. I I, th- I think I agree with everything that you're hitting on and that it was a cathartic experience to have after the sequel trilogy. Yes. Yes, Definitely. I don't know. I, don't, I, 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 I recommend this to any Star Wars fan. Just watch it once. The, my only gripe was that at the end of it, Yoda was in like a, a, a holiday sweater and a bolo hat. And I was just like, that's a little odd. But if that's my biggest gripe about the what I watched, then so be it. That's not a bad one. Yeah, I mean, they had a little Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer moment where Leon Yoda showed us, shows up at the end, and he's the narrator. And I mean, it's that it's that setup. It's nothing that we haven't seen before. It's not going to win any Oscars or an, a, anything. Uh, but it was a it was a fun movie. I don't know. I mean, and it it was interesting that something that is. I mean, it's not canon. Like, obviously, this stuff didn't happen. Mm. Um, but they did confirm that Finn is Force-sensitive. Oh, sorry. Spoiler thoughts. Um, <laughs> oh, uh, well, it, it, that's whatever. It's you got to go see it. Whoever, like, we're not telling the jokes. We're just telling the general plot, which you would understand. 
Yeah. So it does confirm that Finn is force sensitive and is training to be a Jedi. So at least it gives, it pays off that little thing that fans were led to believe was going to happen. And it does it in a little fun, unique Lego-y way. I don't know, man. I mean, there's not a whole lot to talk about with that. Um, but I don't know. It was fun. I'm, I know I keep changing the octave in my voice to talk about the Star Wars Lego hey, movie. Is that Mark Wahlberg I hear on the other line? Hey, I mean, yeah. Yeah, it was. Okay, um, well, you know, for what I tried too hard. I'm sorry, Chris. <laughs> no, that's all right. I would do a terrible Mark Wahlberg. But no, um, this did a better job showing Finn is Force-sensitive than Rise of Skywalker. And that is cathartic, yes, but please watch this. Like, it'll make it. It's a palate cleanser from Rise of Skywalker. God, that movie is so hard. I rewatched all the Star Wars movies um, with Solo and Rogue One, and... God, Rise of Skywalker is so bad. <laughs> I, I, I still can't get over how, like, I've, and I used to rip on last The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi is better now for me. But God, it's, The Last Skywalker is so bad. I just, the fact that I get more enjoyment watching Finn mess with the, the, the training droid and just be like, yeah, he's force sensitive. And I just never got that big, like, wow finn is force sensitive and it's just like him having a sense like it's just it it, it's so the way they do it is just so bad like in in return of the jedi which is my favorite star wars movie when leia's like he wasn't on there i felt it the reason why that works is because we hear in the story luke say you have that power too and she's like what i don't understand you have a power i i I can't even imagine he's like in time you'll learn to use it like it's in your face like hey guess what leia's force sensitive we don't really yeah. get that moment with Finn, which is just—it's heartbreaking. But anyway, we could rip on Rise of Skywalker forever. You got any more thoughts on the Lego um, holiday special? It was—it was fun. It was fun. Watch it That's... once and then watch it every year. <laughs> watch it every year for the rest of your life. Yeah, just don't watch it with the the saga movies. You know. Speaking of traditions, yes, the next holiday that's coming up is Thanksgiving. And I, so in preparation for this, I was trying to find, because we, we talked about Halloween movies around Halloween uh, and the traditions around that holiday. I love and the I'm conversation sh- we're about to have. And we're going to do this. We're going to do the same thing with Christmas. So I'm thinking, well, we we're, it's a holiday that's sandwiched by two great holidays that have great movies that are well known um, and th- that are super enjoyable. So there have to be some Thanksgiving movies out there and there uh, i i went through and read multiple lists of like 30 40 or thanksgiving movies and none of them make any sense except Except, for one except except for one which i haven't seen and i'm going to give you that credit um but it's it's so crazy that there's such this there's this huge holiday that has no real traditional movies behind it i mean groundhog day even has a movie and Thanksgiving <laughs> doesn't have a good one. Like Flag Day is going to have a better movie eventually than Thanksgiving. Oh no! And, <laughs> no, and, don't say that. The the, and, the movie that's associated with Thanksgiving would be better than anything for Flag Day. I don't know, man. Who knows? Um, but the you have your pick, which is good, and I think probably if the it's top the one only on pick. list. Yeah, it has to be. Um, the, the best one that I could come up with is Blindside because it has one good Thanksgiving scene in it. And then that's it. And that sums up basically the rest of the lists 
that I've seen so far of there's just there's just one scene or it's a Hallmark movie and that doesn't really count. Um, <laughs> but I mean, so, OK, I don't, I don't want to keep beating around the bush. What what is your good Thanksgiving film? It is planes, trains and automobiles. I was going to say the expletive, but no planes, trains and automobiles <laughs> with John Candy and Steve Martin, a classic, fantastic, great comedy that just it's situationally genius it's like it's like when you watch ghostbusters and you're just like wow everything about this hits even today you watch ghostbusters you're just like this is classic harold remus and and it's just it's the apex of comedy when it doesn't have to be like what is it the sherlock holmes movie that uh will ferrell did it's nothing like that there's just yeah it's down-to-earth comedy that you could see yourself in those situations you could see people that you know that could fit that mold and planes and trains and automobiles hits that in the two extremes of mart of uh steve martin who's the businessman kind of low-key you know needs to have it go like it, it needs to it needs to fall into place there's a there's a weird uh what's the word there's a weird type of uh control to the world there's a weird type of um uh expectation that needs to be met whereas john candy is a hustler you know he goes with the flow if it doesn't work he fix it and there's a reason why it's a great movie it's a got a really heartwarming but also sad ending it is it is a great way for people to really come together who are like both type A and t- it's type A type B personalities coming together and going through this journey and eventually being friends. It's 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 easily one of the best holiday movies out there. It's the only holiday movie for Thanksgiving. And I would recommend anybody to watch this movie, which brings me back to that idea of like I know they're trying to do the remake of it with um what is it? It's uh Kevin Hart and Will Smith and I yeah. just I really I, do I want them to be successful? Hell yeah. But this movie, like, if you screw it up, it's just, it, it, it's going to be incredibly laughable. You know, this requires a lot of care. This is not like your typical, uh, what is it? It's not like those those movies, that those Christmas movies that came after, like, 2003 that were all the same gimmick, and you're like, oh, it's not the same thing. This isn't Jingle All the Way. This isn't the Santa Claus, you know? <laughs> These classic movies that you know and you grow up with that are Christmas movies, Christmas Vacation. We just got a terrible batch of bad Christmas movies. Like, there's one with, uh, what is his name? Uh, uh, there's There's one called, like, Deck the Halls with, like, uh danny devito and and uh i don't know what is that uh i forget um he played uh ferris bueller's day off sure yeah okay whatever um but it i watched that movie gets boring blah 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 Uh, anyways um yeah plane strangers automobiles go watch it it's so great uh yeah that's that's my my movie my movie pick john yeah, I don't. I don't think I could say it any better myself. I'm. I'm. Let me find. Go- let me find a streaming service for you right now that might have it. You know. Let me yes. Look it up for you. So it's that. So just like I told you, hey, you can go play this video game on your phone. It's really easy. Still haven't done that. Maybe you'll watch. <laughs> maybe you'll watch a movie. I'm sorry, Chris. Uh, yeah, I will. I will. 
and I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to think about playing uh, Knights of the Old Republic. Right. Very good. Yes, I did remember. I haven't forgotten. I did forget that the planes, trains, and automobiles remake is in the works. So thank you for bringing that up, even though I know we've talked about it before. You can rent this movie for two ninety nine on YouTube. It's on the Amazon Prime Premium subscription. God, John, just go see this movie. No, oh, well, I have Amazon Prime. I can I can watch it on there. There you go. Is it the premium subscription? I don't know what that means. I assume that it means the one you pay for. That's the one I pay for. So there you go, John. Go grab go grab you some planes, trains, and automobiles. So good. I will do that. I uh, might Chris, I might watch it after we're done here. You you should. It's going to be late, and you're going to be up all night. But we, that, that's fine. It's Friday, that's good. John. Come on. That's I mean fair. I mean it's Sunday. I mean it's Monday. I mean, yeah, it, it's Monday. It's yeah, Monday it's morning, Monday. 9 a.m. Whenever yeah, you're watching. I got all day. <laughs> whenever you're listening to us, this, that's when that's when we record. This yes. is live. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about some other traditions that we have for Thanksgiving, because I think everybody's household is different. We all do our own unique things. Uh, but I do think that there are things that kind of transcend uh, each household that everybody kind of does together. Um so talk to me a little bit about some of the things you and your family do and make traditions out of in Thanksgiving. Well, uh, it's very weird for me because I have uh, my parents, my parents are separated. And so it, it's what is one of those things where it's like I get two Thanksgivings, but on my mother's side, which is more Latino, it's more, you know, we've never really we've done the traditional Thanksgiving a couple times. But with my dad's side of the family, we've always done traditional thanksgiving now the difference is is that i'm used to having thanksgiving at like uh five o'clock six o'clock but then when my dad remarried we kind of went to the traditional what i think is traditional like the real american way is like hey we're having thanksgiving dinner at three o'clock and then when we started doing that in my teens and and it kind of set up the thing where it's like, oh, you know, I have all this time to hang out with family, even though we don't have a lot of family in the area. You talk, you gather around. It's a family tradition. You have your turkey and stuff at 3 o'clock, but more in the Latino and Portuguese sense of family that I know, they mostly eat dinner at, like, 5. So I think, like, traditional Caucasian, it's not to put a label, but it's just what I what I observe. What I observe yeah. is, like, the Caucasian Thanksgiving is, like, hey, we're going to have dinner at, like, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock. And then for like more Latin cultures or Portuguese cultures, it's like, hey, we're having dinner at like six o'clock. So there's a little bit of a dynamic. And I think the reason why is because NFL football, fo- football games in the afternoon. I don't know if that's a thing, but I like watching the fo- footballs. You know, I learned to do that in college was to care more about the NFL uh, pumpkin pie. And then for me personally, I like looking at Black Friday deals. Obviously, that has evolved over time, but I remember when I was like a teenager in high school, I was interested in the Black Friday stuff. I still look at it, you know. I don't. I'm not the one who's going into Walmart to fight the old lady for the Tickle Me Elmo. I don't like that, but I do look looking at deals and be like, when can I go and get this and not get in a fight? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, those are my yeah. traditions. What about you, John? Yeah, I mean, I I have lived away from my parents and my family for like 11 years now. Um, but it was always a big tradition to get the whole family together. Um, and uh, with my family, that's that's pretty big. That's a lot of people. Um, 
but it was it was all it was great because we would just cram into for christmas and thanksgiving we cram into my grandparents house that is way too small to host 30 or 40 people and we we all bring dishes we all eat a ton of food we sit around and we talk and um i i think the reason why a lot of people eat dinner or eat thanksgiving dinner at two or three o'clock is because they just they starve themselves during the day they save it up and that's the one meal they eat the whole day and it's worth it um but it was it was just all about getting people together um having everybody in one room because we have uh an, an uncle of mine have moved away he was uh active military for a long time and they live uh, across the country now so uh, like bringing people together over video chat or in person or just having everybody being able to communicate in one room was always really big for us and i i mean like you have the you had the football game going on in the background but that was never like a big gathering reason for us um but i will agree that black friday shopping and cyber monday was definitely a big thing and i i do remember like when you would get the black friday physical catalogs yes and just being able to like turn the pages in those and have it be tangible and something you could hold in your hand um and as a kid i i don't know why but i i do this i do the same thing now where like you look through something and you know that you're never going to buy it or you don't have the funds to buy it or it's just so out of your out of your reach like yeah, that's great. I would love to save $500 on a $3,000 TV. Of course I would. That sounds like a great deal. Um, but you know, that's never something you're going to actually pay for. Um, it's the same thing. Like I love nowadays, like I've, I've been scrolling through the pre-Black Friday deals looking for good electronics that I don't need and I, I don't want to pay the money for. But it's just that fun, like, look at the deals out there. What could I pay for and save the money on that? I would actually be spending money on anyways. Um, it's such yeah, an American thing too. Like, and I think it starts with like, what is it that, uh, they call like the sky, the skyline sky mall, like yeah. catalog that's been around for like forever. And Americans just, we love to look at stuff that's on. We like catalogs. I don't think they do that. Obviously they do it in other countries, but we take it to a huge extreme and pound for pound, John, back in those days, what was the best catalog for black Friday's deals? Best buy, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say Best Buy or um, I think just because we had it around the house a lot, like JCPenney would always be one. Oh, man, um, clothes. Just, Oof. just clothes. But then like you also have like the mix match of, of stuff. Uh, like it had a little bit of everything. Best Buy top tier for me. And, oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I looked at electronics. I didn't like for clothes. You know, now I, I think top tier for clothes, Black Friday, Kohl's. Yeah. Yeah, we had like an LL Bean magazine that we would always look through. Ah. That was a big brand in our family as as youngins was a uh, LL Bean. Um, but yeah, no, I Best Buy electronics hundred percent, especially nowadays. Just it more and more it has been cemented that I'm going to continue to look at electronic things that I don't need, but I really want, and that's fine. You know what they say? Like when you get older, you talk about more mundane things. And here we are talking about like, oh my gosh, the cattle, like I, I bring this up like, oh, Black Friday browsing. It's so much fun. It's like how mundane is of a conversation is that? It's just like, it's, I think that in itself is a really weird thing as we get older. It's like, oh, how was the weather today? It was windy. Whoa. It's small talk, but it, I don't know. I find it interesting to talk about, you know. Back in my day, we had catalogs. We had catalogs. Hold. 
the family would gather together on Wednesday to get ready for Thanksgiving the next day and we'd go over what's going to be on the Black Friday sale. Back in my day, Black Friday was on Friday. <laughs> not Thursday, not November 1st through, through Thanksgiving. Which is what they're doing this year, which I find insane, but, you know. Yes. We love to spend money, baby. Dollar, dollar bill, y'all. <laughs> what a great closing thought to end the show on. Dollar, dollar, dollar bill. Dollar, dollar bill, y'all. Um, <laughs> so th- thank you guys for tuning in this week. Uh, Chris will be back in the driver's seat next week. We no, I won't. See you- Oh, that's right. We're not doing it because of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, right. baby. Thank you, Chris. We are skipping next week. But the next time we get together, Chris will be back in the driver's seat, uh-huh. but it will be December. Um, so thank you guys for tuning in, and we will we will talk to you guys later. Gobble, gobble! Uh- Bye. <laughs>